0: (laughs) you ready baby
1: obviously not yeah is this thing on
0: (laughs) yes it is as a matter of fact welcome back to all of our 7.1 million fans we appreciate a little time with us here at Counting Worms podcast not the book on tape
1: no not yet
0: (laughs) Not yet. Oh, baby. How is it possible that you look younger every day? I don't know. I'm getting older, and you're getting younger. How is that possible?
1: I don't know, but I did have some folks in my office that we were getting ready to build a home for, and I said something about back when I was, you know, 42 or something, and they were like, what? You don't look like you could be 42 now. That's and I true. said guess whose incentive just went up <laughs> <laughs> that's nice and i said yours elaine yours <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh that's yeah, yeah well is. hi elaine yeah so it's pretty funny well i wanted to welcome a few new cities All right. that showed up fayetteville georgia wow How about that yeah. and uh, you know i used to live in the la area rancho cucamonga
1: Ooh, that's a great name. That is a great name. Oh, isn't that where Odd Thomas is? Yes. I bet it's Odd Thomas. Oh, my God. We love his books. Oh, I know. <laughs> love the story of his life.
0: And we have some new friends in Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah. And Grandview, Missouri.
1: I bet Huntsville, Alabama is very different than Huntsville, Texas.
0: Yes, I would <laughs> suspect. Probably
1: a lot nicer place.
0: And welcome back to our Hardcore Wormheads yeah. In Ipswich, England, yeah. Chicago, and South Africa. Thanks for coming back yeah. time and time again. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So, baby, what is going on? Aside from you looking beautiful.
1: Well, I just wanted to say congrats to the LGBTQ plus community for their big win last night.
0: Yes, that was amazing. Yeah, that
1: was a big deal. That was yeah. a big deal. So, congrats on th- for their big win. That's and, fantastic. Uh, Hopefully that'll make a difference in states like Texas.
0: It gives me hope. Yes, that that the, this world's <laughs> the world's it's not all bad. Country isn't. all bad. Completely wonderful. So, yeah. is there anything we want to do before? Oh, we, oh, yeah. Is it? One news, one news, party time, excellent. Woo <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hello, Jess.
1: So, yeah, (laughs) in May of this year, Mm. the forces of good thwarted the forces of evil. Really? Well, maybe. I'm not sure which is which. But a major breakthrough occurred in the power struggle of good versus bad. And it was everyday people who made the difference. A lesson to all of us. Mm -hmm. Really? Okay. A pigeon suspected of being a trained spy by Pakistan, (laughs) was captured in India along one of the world's most contested
0: borders. And interrogated?
1: Villagers said the bird was carrying a coded message when they caught it in Mm Manyari along the border which separates Indian and Pakistani controlled parts of Kashmir.
0: Oh, yeah, sure. That, yes. You're pretty familiar with that. Uh, very For those of you who so. don't know this, Sarah's a pretty big geography buff. Oh. And uh, so that, that's an area you've done a lot of study oh, on. Oh, yeah, most okay. deaf. Yeah.
1: Right. Go ahead. So, Kathua Police's senior superintendent, mm-hmm. Shalindra Mishra, mm-hmm. said the villagers gave the pigeon to police after it flew into a woman's house from Pakistan and the security team is currently trying to decipher the message. No word yet on if that woman is also a spy and had been awaiting that message. Mm. He said, quote, a ring was seen attached to one of its legs with some numbers on it, and a probe is on. We can't say it was used for spying. Locals... Seeing a tag tied with its leg caught, a, caught the pigeon. Some called it a coded message. In Pakistan's Punjab, people tie numbered tags on pigeons to claim ownership. End quote. Mm. Now I'm left wondering how does he know? Is he the spy? Was he expecting delivery of the pigeon? How does he know about Pakistan's Punjab? What's a Punjab? It's a location. (laughs) Sounds
0: like fun. Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) He sure is quick to try to dissuade our interest in the spy pigeon. Oh. Mm. And birds have reportedly been used for espionage in the disputed region before. Several examples were actually listed. If we have listeners in the region, I want you to remain diligent. Don't be like the U.S. We have pigeons everywhere, and we just pretend that they're flying rats here to poop on our cars. (laughs) But you know better. Trust no one.
0: Wow. Yeah. Really makes you think. Yeah.
1: Yeah, this was an Indian senior superintendent Talking like he knew what was going on in Punjab.
0: Yeah, we should
1: look mm-hmm. into him. Mm-hmm. How would he know?
0: I'm thinking about giving you a Punjab. <laughs> what? Don't give me that face. Jimmy. Cut that out. <laughs> edit, that one Ed- out.
1: edit that one out. All right.
0: Well, All right. thank you for that, baby. That was fun. Yeah. was and... a good one, don't you? Then? Oh, yeah.
1: I mean I'm I'm going to be worried this I mean I'm going to be worried about the spy pigeon. Yeah. And what the after effects will be, but thank God they caught it. Yeah. Because otherwise it could have been just flying around wreaking havoc. Not a moment too spying soon. Spying on them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you don't trust them. Oh. <laughs> well. Mm. All right. All right, baby. Well, thank you very much for that and it's a scary world it is a very pakistani scary... spy pigeons it could be anywhere yeah i never trusted pigeons yeah Clap your hands everybody and everybody just clap your hands next story nice yeah, yeah. thank you <laughs> had to re-record that and i didn't have any echo or anything so it's a little dry yeah. but uh all right so let me start out with my story my story is gonna kick some ass, and your story will be okay, eh, probably yeah. maybe so-so, okay. So. so we're gonna take you up to Canada for this one. Uh-huh. You know, we did have a Canadian rapper on our last episode right. who did the wing walking, but this one is a about a guy named Brett Ryan. Mm. You ever heard of him? No. Oh, nice kid. Uh, at the time of this story, he was twenty-six years old. Living with his family in the town of Scarborough,
1: which mm. is a suburb of Toronto. Mm-hmm.
0: In general, a good kid, polite, always smiling. Does volunteer work with sick kids. Uh, he referees uh, little league games. Good looking guy, generous. Sounds delightful. Yeah. When he finished the uh, finished high school, he enrolled at the University of Toronto. And fortunately, the experience proved a little bit too much for him, and he ended up dropping out. So he is dropping out of college, and his best friends are all building their careers in finance and health and education, Mm -hmm. etc. And he's fumbling for a part-time job as a house painter, which eventually turned into a full-time job.
1: that's
0: good. So he'd go from paint job to paint job in his beat-up Dodge Dakota. With nothing but a smile and a, and a paintbrush. I mean, he was clothed, but... Uh, I was going to say. But behind the smiles, there were some problems brewing. Uh-oh. You see, Brett had champagne taste with a beer budget. We all know those folks. Right. And he didn't uh, let his lack of money slow him down. And so he liked name brand stuff and nice clothes. And he got a new truck and he's got all this stuff mm. and you know a lot of kids in the range do that yeah, i know i did that myself back in the days don't do it anymore but in the range <laughs> yeah uh and so at the ripe old age of 26 years old he has amassed sixty thousand dollars in credit card oh, debt ouch and he was starting to feel rather desperate his solution was not, thankfully, uh, typical of rangers. And by rangers, I mean people in the range. <laughs> uh, he decided to rob a bank. Oh. Yeah. So he did his research. Smart kid. Did mm. his research. He didn't just go and watch a YouTube video and go, go and rob a bank. <laughs> uh, he did some research. So he wraps his head in bandages and he puts his arm in a sling. And he drove the eight minutes to the local, I guess, CIBC. That's a oh. bank up there, a uh, local branch.
1: Canadian something, Canadian
0: and Investment Bank Corporation. I don't nice. know. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So he hands the teller a note saying that he had a gun under his sling and, you know, give me the money, blah, blah, blah. Now, he only walked out with 1100 bucks, But the point, in his mind at least, was that he walked out Right. Uh and he was hooked. <laughs> the adrenaline, everything else, easy money. And over the next 8 months, he robbed another 12 nearby banks. For a total of no it only came out to 28,000 bucks. I don't know how that's possible, but
1: he wasn't asking for a lot of cash.
0: Maybe not. Maybe not. Um So he evaded capture because he had never had any trouble with the law. So his fingerprints weren't on file anywhere. Mm. They found fingerprints all over the place, but they didn't have anything to match it up with. So um, after robbing his second bank uh, with the bandage disguise, he upped his game and he went to a costume place and he bought a beard. <laughs> uh, a big, high quality though, high quality glue-on on beard. With a marker? <laughs> like some of our dumb criminals. No, no. This was a this was an actual costume glue-on beard. So he used that. He also got uh, he he wore a what they referred to as a Gilligan type hat. Can you think of what Gilligan's hat looks like? I cannot. Well, all right, but it is. It's a you know just a I don't know that boring hat. <laughs> Watch Gilligan's <laughs> Island, you'll see. And he put on some glasses and a plaid shirt and a dark jacket, and he eventually earned the nickname the Bearded Bandit. Oh, The Bearded Bandit sounds kind of good. That name evolves over time, but right now it's the Bearded Bandit. All right. So police eventually spotted the robber's vehicle uh, on a bank's external camera, and they did their police stuff, their shoe leather. And they tracked the car to his home. And they surveilled him for a couple of weeks. And when he was about to hit bank number 13, he walks Lucky into 13. the bank. Lucky 13. He, he must have suspected something because he walks into the bank and turns, quickly turns around and walks out. Uh, but police were waiting for him anyway. And they nabbed him. And he pleaded guilty. And he spent seven months in jail uh, awaiting trial, or he said, hey, "You got me." Um, at the trial, there uh, he had many uh, character wit- witnesses that came up to say what a great guy he was, and all, talked about all his volunteering work and blah blah blah. And the judge, in his ruling, said uh, it, well he had referred to uh, Brett's stellar background, saying that quote, "He is a person who has integrity, who has given of himself to his community, who has given of himself to others." And who is a truly productive member of society? Now, Mm. those are kind of glowing terms. I I didn't pick up on all of that stuff, but (laughs) I mean, he did the volunteers. You
1: probably didn't sit through the whole trial.
0: But the judge also concluded that right that these crimes were completely out of character for him, and they sentenced him to five years in prison. But he had a lot of time served already and uh, got out for good behavior, so he was out in about three years total. So once he got out of prison, he found that the world was a little bit harsher than he remembered
1: it. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, before, he just was uneducated. Now he's a felon.
0: Right. So his massive debt is still intact. Oh. Uh, so now he's like, oh, my God. So He should
1: have filed bankruptcy before he went in. He right. would have had three years behind him.
0: Right. Uh, <laughs> but he didn't. And so he filed bankruptcy now after oh, he got out. Oh,
1: bad timing, man.
0: <clears throat> and he was unable to hide this bank robbing business from prospective employers who just by doing a small amount of research could locate all (laughs) kinds of information (laughs) on the interwebs. Um, (laughs) Actually, he ended up being called the fake beard bandit.
1: Oh, that's not as cool.
0: No, not at all. God,
1: he got slighted on his name. I
0: know. So he tried to get back to painting, but found out that a lot of the potential clients really didn't want him in their house.
1: That's weird.
0: Yeah, once they became aware of his work in the financial sector. So (laughs) by the time he hit his 30th birthday, he was pretty down. You know, he realized that he was a bankrupt ex-con with a high school education and no (laughs) prospects.
1: (laughs) He had three years in prison. Maybe they don't have uh, education in
0: Canada. No, maybe not. So he moved back into the family home and his mother, Sue Ryan, she was bothered by the fact that their neighbors gossiped about their family. Um. it was so it got so bad that uh, Sue and her father bill or his father Bill, they sold their big house and they moved to that smaller home in oh, what was the name of the town? Scarborough Scarborough, thank you. All right, so Sue, the mom was an avid gardener, and she began a six year pro, what turned out to be a six-year project, um, getting her the front of her house to be like a beautiful showpiece garden so she was out there almost every day and while mom was gardening Brett was actually buckling down and tr- you know starting to make some inroads toward the future that he envisioned for himself he worked retail jobs they weren't high paying but he worked them and with some help from the folks he re-en- re-enrolled in the University of Toronto uh, to pursue a degree in biophysics
1: oh smart, that's smart my kid deal.
0: there you go um, and he made an effort to be more open and honest and transparent with his parents. And he even had regular visits to a psychologist mm. who said, hey, the first thing you got to do is start being honest with people, you know, because he was obviously not right. Uh, nobody when he was robbing banks, nobody knew anything about this. Uh, and anyway, so in September of 2000, well, it, makes it harder to get away with it if you tell people, you know what, that's a good point. And he's smart so that way. Uh, In September of 2011, a friend of his set him up with a blind date, uh, a gal named Kristen Baxter, and she was a very athletic, blonde lady. She was a physiotherapist.
1: Hmm.
0: So their first date was near her waterfront uh, waterfront condo, Um, and she lived a very normal life, you know, the kind that Brett really dreamed of. She had a good job, nice home cute fluffy dog that they walk around the harbor front you know and together they made a very striking couple you know he was a good looking guy she was a good looking gal and and you know it looked like there was something there in his uh in his newfound spirit of honesty he did tell her about his criminal past good it, for him yeah it was good and so despite knowing about that she fell in love with him mm. and uh, a year and a half later or so he moved into her condo mm. the condo was small but it had beautiful water views uh, and had a barbecue on the roof he had that had indoor outdoor pool access uh, close to the airport he could sit and watch planes land from the roof i mean it was definitely a move up for him and, yeah, he was living with his mom. Right, and then they traveled frequently to some tropical places, so they were, things were going well. So after about a year of living with her, uh, his father died, and Brett took good care of his mom. He helped her with the stuff that, that her husband used to do, or his father used to do, and he started performing odd jobs around the house for a little extra cash because he needed all the money he could as he had recently proposed to her and uh, given her a diamond engagement ring.
1: Uh, he's back on that deal.
0: Once again, his finances are starting to unravel a bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. And his strict policy of um, complete and total honesty began faltering a bit. Mm-hmm. In 2015, he dropped out of school again. But this uh, time, he didn't tell anybody. This mm. is
1: always a bad idea.
0: And in the spring of 2016, after he graduated, oh, no. and I'm using oh, no. air quotes there, oh. uh, he caught a lucky break and landed a job with a Toronto tech firm. Now he actually did land the job, and this was going to be this was going to be the turning point for him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's no more low paying menial jobs. He was getting a real job, real income, and he celebrated this. He took his mom and uh, Kristen out and celebrated. But within days, um, his new employer caught wind of his fake beard be- business. Oh, no. And they promptly rescinded the offer of employment.
1: Oh, no.
0: Now, this, as you might imagine, was a major blow to his plans. Right. His, his happy life that he was just about to embark on. And he really wasn't very comfortable uh, admitting defeat. So he decided to just let everybody go on believing that he <laughs> had this new wonderful job. And for quite a while, apparently, oh. he got up in the morning, showered, put on his work clothes and headed off to work.
1: What's his na- What's this guy's name?
0: Brett Ryan. Oh, Brett. Brett, yeah. And so um, their schedule, their wedding was scheduled for uh, mid-September that same year. So this is this is the springtime. Mm-hmm. And the wedding was going to be at this beautiful rustic creekside venue, and the cost was going to be about a hundred bucks a person. So, uh, this was going to uh-huh. be a, an expensive affair. And he had already had his bachelor weekend getaway all planned out, and the couple had plans to move out of their small apartment and get a house oh, on their own. Nice. They'd even sought uh, the services of a realtor and had uh, gone out looking at houses. Nice. Okay? So. His mom, at this point, was beaming with pride. No longer were the neighbors gossiping about her kid. She couldn't help herself but to tell them about all of his successes, uh, his college degree, his great job, his downtown condo, the upcoming wedding. I mean, things were going great for her kid now. However, in reality, his life was becoming, one of my favorite words, untenable. (laughs) <laughs> <That> is, Unto- <laughs> uh he was now a month away from his wedding date. Oh my god. And for the past year or so he'd been lying up a storm. <laughs> and finally he took the advice of his psychologist and he, he got honest with his mother. He told his mom what was going on. I guess he was probably hoping that by opening up to her that she She'd was going out. to have some sympathy, maybe you know, short term loan or something. But instead, she gave him an ultimatum. He needed to tell Kristen everything, or she would do it herself. Oh. So she was really pushing the honesty thing. And she would not give him any more money until he fessed up to Kristen. Oh, dear. So for Brett, telling, that, telling the truth to Kristen was like the last possible thing that he wanted to do. It was the yeah, worst possible telling solution.
1: Telling the truth to mom was a big step. That was his far yeah. I mean, yeah. that was, that was and it. it turned,
0: what a, yeah, what, what a bummer. What a bummer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that
1: didn't work out the way he planned. No, it did not. He, this truth telling needed to stop. <laughs>
0: That's true. So oh. So here he is. So he, he, she, he knows that if he told Kristen, she'd probably leave him. Uh, and he'd have to go back to living in the small bungalow with his mom and his brothers who lived there too. Without oh. a job, without any money, a failure just like before. And he was so close to achieving his dreams, uh, he was not going to let anybody even screw that up. all
1: make believe.
0: Right. He wasn't going to let anybody get in the way of that. Not even no, mom. Not even his mother. Right. So he decided right then and there the only solution was to kill her. Right. Kill his mom. Yeah. You're not going to talk. what else could he do? Well, he had to shut her up. Yeah not gonna tell the truth <laughs> that was stupid was that idea how I mean, could
1: she how could she put him in this position
0: <laughs> i know
1: so she was so insensitive and so selfish i know
0: god it's horrible this is her her kid
1: i know how could she not love him more than that
0: i know it's terrible so his, his next scheme now uh started to take shape he needed a weapon of course well yeah but His little police problems of the past kind of stood in the way there. Made it illegal for him to buy a gun. That's a problem. So he decided on a crossbow. Oh, good choice. No license required. You only have to be 18. Check. Perfect. He's got that. Check, check. So he bought it secondhand even to avoid any paper trail. Okay, so he's, he's well on his way. So in the days... After the ultimatum, Brett went to his mom's house and hid the crossbow in the garage behind some tools. And the garage was a total mess cuz he and his brothers had been helping his mom to re- renovate the kitchen, so there was tools everywhere, there was sawdust and everything else. Oh, so he, he really wasn't worried about anybody stumbling Nobody's upon his crossbow. A crossbow. Right. <laughs> so, August 25th, 2016. Oh. A hot and humid day with thunderstorms. And that morning, Kristen and Brett were getting ready for work, her at her uh, physiotherapy practice, and him at his imaginary job at the tech company. <laughs> <laughs> and so once she left for work, Brett got busy building a device that he had designed that he hoped would provide him with an alibi while he did his oh, dirty deeds. Gotcha. And this, this part of the story is pretty amazing, really. So he props up his laptop against the wall with two five-pound weights. He's got it open, and he props mm-hmm. it up against the wall. Then he duct tapes a wooden spoon to an oscillating fan, okay? okay, and placed it so the tip of the spoon lined up with the laptop's enter key, and it it didn't say how, uh, but I'm guessing he had to take out the internal battery of the uh, laptop because he plugged the laptop into one of those digital timers like the ones we use To Mm -hmm. turn lights on and off and all that stuff. And so when the timer activated, the fan would turn on and the spoon would click the cursor hovering over an icon that would open up YouTube. Okay? Okay. Then he took two more portable fans. So he had a lot of fans. uh, And he plugged them also into digital timers and he affixed the fans to a wooden board that he placed on the Kitchen Island's countertop. And then he took a phone and a tablet... And screwed them, secured them to another board facing the fans. <laughs> it's very elaborate, and he ta- he taped little styluses, little pointers, uh, to the two fans. And these timers on the two fans were set to go off at staggered times during the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, both the phone and the tablet had pre-typed messages to somebody ready to go. And so when one of the timers went off and the fan oscillated, boom, it hit send. And then an hour later, the other fan would turn on and the tablet would hit a, hit a different message going to somewhere else. So right now, no matter how this day of his played out, he'd be able to say that he stayed at home all day and he was watching YouTube videos and sending emails. Ah. And his phone's there and everything's there. So he put on two pairs of jeans one in case things got messy and he could take it off and still have a nice pair of jeans on. And he packed a gym bag with his bank-robbing disguise. I guess he <laughs> still had the, the uh, beard. Wow. Plus a few crossbow bolts, they call them. It's like the arrows for mm. crossbow. And it's, like these, it's got three blades that kind of all come to a point. Oh. You know, kind of nasty. Yeah. Um, and he had figured out in his premeditation murdered one, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, that there was only one way to get out of his apartment building, and that was to go down 14 flights of stairs and then go out the back through the alley. There was no cameras there. So he did that. He went to the train station. He took a train to his mom's neighborhood and then walked 10 minutes from the train station uh, to her house. And then he got there around 10 in the morning. And mom wasn't feeling well that morning. So she was there. And Brett, once again, he went in, talked to her, and tried to get her to you know, listen to reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she held firm.
1: Bitch. God She is impossible.
0: If he didn't tell Kristen, she would. And things got <sighs> heated up between the two. What is
1: wrong with that woman? I know.
0: She has to go. So... Mom picks up her cell phone and calls one of his other brothers. Uh, His name's Chris. She asked Chris to come over and help her out with uh, her brother, Brett, and get her out of this jam. Brett could feel at that point that his whole situation was getting a little away from him. So he turned around. He walked out to the garage, and Mom followed him. And he grabbed the crossbow, but he didn't have time to load it before Mom was in the garage with him. So he grabbed the bolt, the arrow, mm-hmm. and with the three serrated bl- blades forming the point, and he stabbed her in the cheek and in her ear, and he wrestled her to the ground, and he grabbed a piece of uh, rope h- nearby, put it around her neck, and strangled her to death with it. Well, I ought to mm. keep her quiet. Now we'll keep her quiet. And so job one is complete. But now he needs to get ready for his new job that he wasn't expecting, job two. Brother Chris is going to be there fairly soon. So he needed to be prepared, Uh you see. So he loaded and cocked his crossbow and waited in the garage. And when Chris finally came into the garage, Brett kind of slipped in quietly behind him and pulled the trigger. And the three blades went through Chris's neck and lodged in his mouth.
1: From oh. behind,
0: and he died relatively immediately. Well that's so, good. so he grabs his brother's body, drags it outside to where his mother's body is, puts Chris on top of mom, and then pulls a tarp over them. And now it was time to pull off his bloody jeans and put his beard back on and get the hell out of there. But before he could do that, his younger brother AJ came home. Oh. And Brett exited the garage and met A.J. on the walkway to the back door. And Brett knew at this point he was well past the point of no return. So he approached A.J. with another crossbow bolt in his hand. And the two wrestled around and Brett stabbed A.J. in the neck. And he collapsed onto the driveway, bleeding profusely. So Brett's third brother, Leland.
1: There's another one? There's another
0: one. He has three brothers. I guess they all live there at the house. Oh, my God. He had been napping in his bedroom at the house. And he had heard the commotion between Brett and his brother AJ out front and went outside to see what was going on. And when he saw AJ on the ground bleeding, he ran back in the house to call 911. Well, Brett followed him in and attacked. And they struggled, I mean, from the evidence later on, they The police realized they struggled throughout the house. There was furniture knocked over. There was blood on the walls and the ceilings and the floors throughout all Mm. the bedrooms, uh, the living room. I mean, everywhere. And um, Leland had received a head wound and he was bleeding quite a bit. But somehow he made it out and he ran across uh, the street to some neighbors uh, frantically, you know, telling him to call 911. And so Brett, I think, resigned himself to the fact that he really screwed up and this was a this was a yeah. done deal. So he grabs a bottle of water out of the fridge, sits down on the front stoop, and waits for police. Hmm. Yeah. So he was charged and convicted w- with one count of first-degree murder for Chris because he was waiting in the garage. Right. Two counts of second-degree murder because... He said that he had had a change of heart and he really wasn't going to kill and he wasn't going to kill his mom,
1: but uh, he ended up doing mm, it. Yeah, I know mm. it's a little bit
0: weak. And AJ, uh, who just showed up unexpectedly and planned that out. Did and, he
1: li- Did the last brother live? Nope. Uh,
0: now the 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 one who went ar- across the street for right. help did. Yes, oh, he did. Okay. So he killed his mom, his brother Chris, his brother AJ, and then his brother Leland survived. So he was Ugh. the only one of the family that is still alive. Uh, he, so he got, he got three concurrent life sentences. Why concurrent? Who knows? And 10 years for the attempted murder. So you know, Canada gets a little, uh, they'll handle things a little bit differently. Right. So he's going to be eligible for parole in 2041. He will be oh 60 God. years old. 60 years old. Now that is old. so he really won't he'll be too old to do just about anything right baby yeah I mean decrepit I think is the word you're searching for not exactly and so that's the story of Brett Ryan wow who now has a new moniker the crossbow killer (laughs) so he's known as the bearded bandit the fake beard bandit and the crossbow killer
1: and just an overall asshole
0: asshole yeah that would work too so that is that. Yeah. Clap your hands, everybody. And everybody just clap your hands. Next story. Nice. Thank you. Yeah, baby. So tell me what's your your so-so story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, I'm a little nervous about this. You story. are? Don't give me too hard a time.
0: Okay. Go for it, baby. All right. I feel confident for you.
1: In June of 2005. Right. Star high school athlete Taylor Geis is not feeling so well. Okay. At 15 years old, he is the starting first baseman on his varsity baseball team and their number two pitcher. Hmm. This kid is healthy, happy, and talented. In fact, colleges are already looking to recruit him at 15 years old. That's pretty impressive. Yes, But after a trip to his family's ranch in rural Cherokee Park, northwest of Fort Collins in Colorado, he started feeling ill and quickly developed a severe case of what appeared to be the flu. Okay. Nobody was very concerned, though. He was six foot four inches tall and 210 pounds. Taylor was as healthy as a horse until he wasn't.
0: A healthy horse. Yeah. Right.
1: Taylor's fever got worse. His chills were crazy bad. He was so weak it seemed unnatural. And nobody really knew what to think. Of course, the doctor said for him to rest and get plenty of fluid. But his abdominal pain and muscle cramps were off the charts. At least according to Taylor. Then, just four days into his illness... Things seemed to take a horrible and dramatic turn. Oh jeez. He was crashing. He seemed to be going into shock. So his parents called nine one one and on the way to the hospital I'm saddened. One day after his sixteenth birthday, Taylor died en route. Wow. So what kills an extremely healthy young person in only four days in the United States of America. Any guesses?
0: Ebola. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. It's not Ebola? No, not Ebola. Measles? Um, no. Okay. I'll give you a few extra hints. Taylor did not have all the telltale signs, like swollen lymph nodes.
0: Oh.
1: But to be truthful... Even if he had swollen lymph nodes, it's doubtful anyone would have tested him for this difficult-to-diagnose disease. It's rare. A zebra among horses. Mm -hmm. And although all of you have heard of it, you're much more familiar with one of the other expressions of this disease. And... You are all very comfortable believing that it no longer exists, and so are doctors. But it does exist, and Americans die every year of this disease, as do many people throughout the world, even though it's extremely easy to cure, but only if caught early enough. I know it. Autopsy revealed that Taylor died.
0: Of the plague. Oh, I was going to say rabies. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Wow, the plague. The plague. The black plague? Why does it have to be black?
1: (laughs) (laughs) We'll get into that. Oh, okay. And it only took four days to kill him.
0: Jeez. It
1: was just the less common form of septicemic plague, not the bubonic plague that you're more familiar with. But both are are a form of the same little bug... A bacteria called Yersinia pestis and both as well as the third kind are still very much alive and well today Mm. so what determines the kind of plague you get if all are caused by the same bacteria generally speaking it's the route of transmission or the way it was spread to you but not always Taylor was an outlier in that regard. Part of the reason his case went undiagnosed, at least we hope that's why he went undiagnosed. The first type, the most common and everyone's favorite, the most famous and infamous, the bubonic plague. Yeah, that's my favorite plague. Yeah. Uh, of course. <laughs> A flea bites you and transfers the bacteria to you.
0: Fucking fleas. Fleas.
1: Incubation is one to seven days and then you develop fever and chills, vomiting, nausea, and then the symptom it is named for, buboes. These are lumps that can grow the size of an apple at your armpits and growing. So what exactly are these lumps? Well, I love the (laughs) face you're making.
0: I'm thinking about the... Lumps in my groin.
1: Yes. <laughs> well, those lumps are lymph nodes that have swollen to that excessive size due to the hordes of bacteria inside of them. Oh, nasty. Pretty nasty, yeah. Following this portion of the program, <laughs> if you're still alive, they continue to spread, growing more numerous, but they're a little bit smaller. All over your arms and legs, then eventually your whole body, and turning black.
0: Aha, there it is.
1: Eventually, these growing lumps will rupture, spilling thick black ooze. Oh, nice. Yes, and gra- gangrene will set in throughout your body. Uh-huh. Yeah. Modern day survival is 30 to 60 percent when left untreated, and believe it or not, it is the least fatal yet somehow the most scary form of plague, which is kind of ironic. Yeah. Septicemic plague, what our friend Taylor had, is an overload of Yersinia pestis bacterium in your bloodstream.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It can be from a bite or from an opening in the skin that bacteria get into, or most commonly from the body becoming overwhelmed by one of the other two forms of plague and the bacteria getting into the bloodstream that way. Of course, we have Taylor's symptoms, fever, chills, muscle cramps, vomiting, abdominal pain, and shock. But to this, had he lived long enough, you can add blackening of the fingers, toes, and nose, as well as bleeding from the mouth, nose, and anus. The untreated mortality rate for this form of plague is 80 to 90%.
0: That's pretty high.
1: Taylor didn't have a chance.
0: Ouch. From one flea.
1: The third and final form of plague is the pneumonic plague. It is the most virulent. A human gets bubonic plague. And it spreads to the lungs. And this is where it starts getting really scary. The person starts with a dry cough and it quickly becomes very productive Mm -hmm. with all kinds of gross stuff. We all know what a productive cough means. I do. The untreated mortality rate is 100%. But that really isn't even the worst part. We're all painfully aware right now of the concept of respiratory droplets, right? Mm -hmm. And this, my friends, is the one form of plague that can be spread from person to person due to those now famous respiratory droplets when someone coughs. Incubation period can be as short as 24 hours, and you can die that quickly, too.
0: Oh, jeez.
1: And just like the dreaded Ebola, you remain infectious even after death. In fact, your body is even more infectious in the end stages and after death, just like Ebola.
0: How does somebody catch it from a dead body? Obviously, you're not producing any respiratory droplets.
1: because there's so many bacteria and they can become airborne. (laughs) And all the bacteria are living all over that person. The good news is that all plague forms are treated with antibiotics if treated early enough. But it must be caught very early because in this case with plague, the body gets overwhelmed quickly quickly. Yeah, 24 hours. Yes. How, you, how is that going to work? Pneumonic plague kills in as little as 24 hours. Oh. And as you can see with Taylor's case, doctors just don't look for plague when they hear fever, chills, and body aches. Doctors think of the flu. And by the time you have bubos, you're too far gone to be saved. So by the time you express the signs of plague, antibiotics won't do anything to save you Mm -hmm. your body's already way too overwhelmed so we all already know plague is vector-borne disease and it's zoonotic if you've listened for very long these words will already make total sense to you but as a review zoonotic means it's a disease that lives in other animals of the animal kingdom and some spillover event causes it to become a human disease Many zoonotic diseases require a vector. Vector Vector-borne diseases are diseases you can't catch by touching a doorknob or someone sneezing on you. Well, except pneumonic plague, which happens to be the worst kind. Vector-borne diseases require an intermediate host to transmit the disease.
0: Like a toilet seat? No. Okay.
1: So, some examples. To contract malaria you need to be bitten by a mosquito who hosts that infection. To contract Lyme disease, you need to be bitten by a tick carrying Lyme disease. Living with a person who has Lyme or malaria will not cause you to catch it. A vector, in other words, are living organisms that transmit disease to humans. So, listen up, because this is very important. Yeah, kids. I am about to totally blow your mind, Woo-hoo. for real. Okay. With plague and the three largest, most deadly pandemics of all time, history had it all wrong. Okay. Everything you learned in school or on other podcasts was a lie. <gasps> Pretty classic always blame the little guy who can't speak up for himself. Not much has changed about humans. If there's an underdog, blame them. In this case, the underdog was the poor little rat. A companion we've had for as long as we ourselves have been domesticated. The rat And the fleas on the rats were not to blame at all for the largest pandemics the world has ever seen. Sheesh, you're laying it down, honey. We just blamed the easiest target. After all, point the finger out and never in. Right? I
0: hate rats.
1: But rats (laughs) didn't cause the Black Death.
0: Yeah, well.
1: Neither did their fleas. Over 200 mammal species, meaning those like us with hair who give birth to live young, are known to be naturally infected with plague. Rodents are the most important host because they have all the right features. Mild resistance to plague. They're fast breeders with a long breeding season. They hide among us in large numbers, etc., etc. So they do serve to be good hosts to maintain the infection in a population. But, Mm. but, and this is a big but, Mm. they are not passing it to us with their fleas in large enough numbers or fast enough to wipe out two-thirds of Europe's population. In reality, recent studies, I'm talking 2018 here, using advanced mathematical modeling prove that it was not the fleas from rats that caused the three biggest plague pandemics, including the Black Death that reshaped the world. Had it been fleas from rats, it would have spread far slower, killed far fewer people, and not made it across the globe. It was actually the ectoparasites already living on humans. It was human fleas and the lice living on us. Oh,
0: baby. Oh, yeah.
1: Very gross. Oh, and no. very true. Thanks, science, math, and the University of Oslo. You know all this mathematical modeling that we're seeing with COVID. Uh-huh. Same concept.
0: You are keeping it real, baby.
1: This is, this is 2018. This is, this is all new science. We have, now, we have now exonerated the rat and the rat's fleas. They are not to blame for the Black Death. Hmm. So let's use the best-known pandemic of all time as our example. The Black Death or as it was known at the time the great mortality wow a third of china had been wiped out completely before anyone else in the world knew something was even wrong 7000 people a day died in cairo 75% of the city of florence died within a year and were stacked in mass graves. It only took three years from 1347 to 1350 to reshape the entire world. Up to 200 million people died, primarily in Asia and Europe. 60% of Europe's population and 30% of the entire world's population. Mm-hmm. Just to make that number more relevant to today, the last official number I could get for the worldwide, worldwide COVID-19 deaths was for June 12th. It's five days ago. And worldwide deaths for COVID-19 was 423,868. And that is a verifiable, verified number of worldwide COVID-19 deaths. However, if 30% of the world's population succumbed to COVID-19, that number would be 2.3 billion. That's That's billion with a B.
0: That's a lot more.
1: And again, to reconcile the situation two-thirds of the people who contracted the plague would be dead within four days not weeks not recovering dead in days just to put it in perspective to what a pandemic can really do to the human population ouch so since i'm not a history girl I thought I would, I would help the rest of you non-history peeps get in the time frame of perspective mm. and why we can't blame the rats.
0: I don't like rats.
1: Still can't blame them for the Black Death. No, I can The end of the 12th and the 13th century had brought huge economic growth and population explosions across Europe and Asia. In England alone... The population went from 1.5 million in 1086 to 5 million in 1300. Agriculture had made major strides along with farming, and this was attributed to the cultivation of forest lands.
0: Uh oh. Unleash the hounds.
1: They don't like it when you infringe on the wild things.
0: Mother Nature doesn't like that.
1: Yeah, but the beginning of the 14th century caused change. Loss of the greenhouse effect. With the beginning of the 1300s, the exorbitant population growth had stretched resources to their breaking point. To make matters worse... The climate began to change. Mother Nature always has a way to resolve deforestization and overpopulation. A mini ice age began to hit Europe. Lots of rain and cooler temperatures led to massive crop failures. Wet fields and lack of resources led to undernourished cattle, which eventually meant outbreaks of cattle disease. Sheep and cattle numbers fell by 50%. This was all a setup for the Great Famine of 1315 to 1317. All in all, 10 to 15% of the population died of starvation. Those who survived were extremely malnourished. Not the best conditions for a biological attack that would occur in just a couple decades. Mm. So, let's talk about society. Obviously, there were no flushing toilets. People used chamber pots.
0: When your home was full,
1: you simply dumped them outside your home. Hence, the idea of gentlemen walking their beloved on the inside of the sidewalk. To protect her from, well, politely, this really crappy falling debris,
0: oh.
1: hoping it would hit him <laughs> and not her. Oh. This trash, as well as any other trash, like spoiled meat or garbage, would sit outside the home until it Was corroded. eaten by
0: rats. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. Many. What an era.
1: Yeah. Many thought bathing actually caused disease. Sure. So it was only done as a last resort. Yeah. A fact I'm not going to go into any more detail about. And everyone had lice and fleas, regardless of class. Really? Yes. And like Americans who crowd around the TV at night, the evening activities then... Was to crowd around and pick the bugs off each other. Oh, come on. Just like we see apes and chimps doing at the zoo. Are you
0: kidding me? I am
1: not joking. This is historical fact.
0: Can we see this on YouTube? No. (laughs) (laughs) Then it's not true.
1: No, it's true. (laughs) They never took any of their clothes off. What? Yes. And one of the more interesting things that you can read about is when they talk about executions and then they go to disrobe the, uh, the person who was executed and they talk about how the vermin scatter from, they were living inside the clothing of the people. Oh
0: my God, what is wrong with these people?
1: Their homes did not have floors. They just had ground. So the floors of dirt were covered by layers and layers of plants and herbs crushed down to help keep the home warm and they were never removed or cleaned. One Dutch visitor complained that English homes were, quote, harboring expectoration, vomiting, the leakage of dogs and men, ale droppings, scraps of fish, and other abominations not fit to be mentioned, end quote. (laughs) And given they did not have beds, all but the wealthiest of wealthy slept on the floor, this is where they put their faces each night as well. Oh. So, it's not something you really want to think about. I don't. The bottom layers had God knows what, and the critters who must have lived there to dine on those droppings were probably not meeting health code ri-
0: <laughs> of today. Oh. But it gets better. Oh, come on, baby.
1: The River Thames had Butcher's Bridge and was full of rotting meat. Few places on earth smelled worse than the Thames. The normal practice then was for butchers to gather up any rotted or fetid meat, any leftovers not used, and drag it all to the bridge and dump it into the river. It would take until the 19th century to get the stench out of the river. For those of you not good with math, that's 500 years, guys. 500 years. The bridges were all covered with entrails, blood, and parts of animals that fell from the butcher's cart as they dumped the debris into the river.
0: Oh, humanity.
1: Finally, the doctors were really quite dangerous, Their medicines were based mostly on superstition and religion. Remember, the Black Death is what brought us the word quarantine, not based at all on science. So their cures were at best worthless, (laughs) but usually dangerous. For example, if you could help being epileptic during the Middle Ages, I would definitely advise against it. Cures range from distilled human skull, excrement of mouse, warm gladiator blood to drink, of course, and boy's urine. Mm -hmm.
0: To drink as well? I could
1: not find any reference of the age of the boy who was peeing on you, but I'm sure he had to be young. Sure. Of course, when given the treatment of human skull or mouse poop, it was a miracle how within minutes the fit would stop.
0: (sighs) As did the heart.
1: (laughs) Well, as did any seizure if just given a few minutes.
0: Oh, oh, I see. Right? Yeah, I see.
1: This is the world that Yersinia pestis unleashed upon. So it's not hard to see how it nearly destroyed us, really. Plague was old and it was smart. So... However, the Black Death brought historic change to the world that we may not have ever seen otherwise. For instance, English in England. Before the Black Death, the upper class in all the cities in England spoke French. The clergy all spoke Latin. And it was only the poor and rural areas that ever spoke English. After the plague, with the massive population losses, and the fact that cities and clergy were hit so much harder than the countryside, English became the dominant language of the country. Huh. And as Americans, I can tell you that affected history for many, many years to come. Sure. And with the population being so devastated and destroyed, so was feudalism. Suddenly laborers were in high demand, and so they could demand higher wages. Gone were the days of whip and lord ruling over the land. So it was bad, but it brought with it some change. So where are we today? With the plague.
0: I'm against it.
1: (laughs) In the U.S. alone, from 1900 to 2015, we've had 1,036 human plague cases, with about 16% dying.
0: Including our... Including Tyler. Yeah, Taylor. Taylor.
1: Worldwide, from 2010 to 2015, that's only five years, there were 3,248 human plague cases, with 548 deaths. Of course, this is only the reported cases. Worldwide, that is a little tougher to verify. It's likely there are a lot more that we just don't know about. And yes, we still have outbreaks. Technically, we do have a vaccine for plague but it's kind of interesting. As the CDC puts it, the effectiveness has never been measured precisely. The CDC also says it should, yes, should reduce the incidence and severity of disease resulting from the bite of an infected flea. However, they specify that protection against pneumonic plague is not known, and in any case, patients exposed to the plague should be given a round of antibiotics regardless of vaccination history. The vaccine is a primary injection followed by several booster shots. Reading between the lines, it is quite clear the CDC is not impressed. <laughs> currently antibiotics still work currently here's to praying this is one bacteria that doesn't become resistant because if it does it could wipe out humanity
0: we'll be be begging for COVID 19
1: right (laughs) finally just fyi the black death did have the greatest lives lost of any pandemic in the history of the world. However, it was the second plague outbreak. The first was the Plague of Justinian in 541 AD. It killed up to 50 million people, which at that time was half the entire world's population. Mm -hmm. 800 years later was the Black Death. Then... As if to just add insult to injury. London never caught a break. The plague just seemed to resurface every 20 years from 1348 to 1665 for 300 years. And each and every time it hit, it took 20% of the population with it. Wow. So this little bug has been bugging us forever. There are countless other outbreaks that are still happening today. In fact, in like 2017, Madagascar had a major outbreak. These are just a few of the showstoppers. But the best way to avoid it is to let nature be nature.
0: And to wear a mask.
1: (laughs) Well, that would stop pneumonic plague for sure. So.
0: Yeah, just wear masks, everybody.
1: So there you have it. Wow. That's the plague.
0: Eesh. I don't want it. Yeah, no. I don't like rats. I don't like the plague.
1: But rats aren't involved in causing the it black says death. You.
0: All right, baby, tell me your uh, sources <laughs> for that information.
1: So Sky News brought us our lovely spy pigeons. Mm-hmm. And then CNN, history.com, origins.osu.edu. And of course, the CDC.
0: Oh, thank you. My sources for our Brett Ryan story, torontolife.com, cbc.ca, vice.com, and thetorontosun.com. Is there anything you'd like to tell our wonderful listeners before we part ways? It wasn't the rats. The ratons? Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, everybody. Live big. Rest in peace. The, the worms, worms are, are waiting. waiting.